So then Sean started working for ARC. Yeah. And so I went and met with Sean and we didn't do ARC. We didn't do, when we started, we didn't have any help. We no, didn't know what we were doing. Grow, ARC, none, none of, of it. Stuff. None of it. We didn't know what we we're doing. So I go and meet with Sean. And I said, Sean, you know, look, man, I'm struggling. Like we're hurting. What do we need to do? And he said, uh, he said, well, where are you meeting? I said, we're in a, a skate center. And Sean said, well, there's one thing we tell people in ARC. Never meet in a skate center. <laughs> I'm like, Sean, you're killing thank me. Thank you. Thank you. He said, does it smell like feet? I said, every Sunday every morning. Every Sunday morning. He said, are your, you know, are the nurseries terrible? I said, absolutely. Because they're in like a laser tag room as our kids are. So it's dark with big scary things on the wall. Hey, welcome to another episode of CEO Parenting. A little different today. I have a pastor on here. And the reason we have a pastor are so many different reasons and I'm, we're going to get to that. But um, we've got Gabriel right here, great friend of mine. And it's always difficult sometimes to do these things with friends because I already know a pretty good bit about you. So um, Gabriel is the pastor of a church in Trustful, um, Gateway Family Church, not Gateway Community Church. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no we're, community. We're a family, That's not right. community. Only family. And so um, we were just talking. So I'm going to skip to where we were before the things started rolling. So we were talking about, he asked about my notebook. I got a remarkable I'm borrowing a remark. I'm testing a remarkable. And he was talking about preparing for a sermon. Yeah. And so I, there's, I've heard, I used to work at a church. So there's so many different things I've heard about this. So tell me, what, tell, me what you, tell me what you were saying. Okay. So I, the, the way I was taught, so my dad's a pastor. Got it. The way I was taught, he, um, now he hand wrote all of his sermons back in the day before he typed anything up. Yeah. So he hand wrote everything. And his philosophy was you hand write it um, more than once. You highlight it. And, and now you've, you've handwritten it twice, you've highlighted it once, and so you've got it in your brain three times, and so that way it's in your system. That's good. And I actually went back when, they, when he retired, I went and looked through some of his stuff, I was helping him clean out some junk, and I found entire stacks of notebooks, and it's just handwritten sermons. And he used to preach from, from a that. handwritten sermon. I couldn't do that. I couldn't, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've got good handwriting, time. but I, I have I a hard time with that. It. Yeah. So what I do now, because I'm more computer-based, I will handwrite all of my sermons. Um, usually, uh, it, it'll go through about five times, five iterations of handwritten sermon before I get to the final so, type. So up. when you do that, let's just say on um, version one, it's, let's just say five pages. Mm -hmm. Is version two, four pages, and version three, three pages? Like, does it reduce down, or is it like five pages to six to seven? No, um, it, it just kind of depends. Usually... Usually what I'm doing, once I've written it out, it's, then it's a matter of how do I organize it. Mm. So I may have five thoughts that I want to present on a Sunday morning, but I don't know the order because I, I want things to go. I, I heard someone say one time, they said, anytime you're speaking, you're taking someone on a journey. You need to think of uh, steps going up, right? You don't want to skip steps. If you're, if you're going from one floor to the next, you don't want to skip steps. Sure. You want to take every step. And he said, uh, for us, whenever you're speaking, you want to take people somewhere. So there needs to be steps that build on each other. Um, so I'm constantly going through my notes and rearranging. And I'm trying to find the right order that will fit so that whenever I'm speaking to people, not only I, I want to get out of the way so the Holy Spirit can sure. speak. And so I want to prepare it in a way that they can listen. And they're not trying to think back. What Now, what was the other thing yeah. he said? And does this, how does this apply um, and so that's, I'll handwrite it all out, mix it up, mix it up, mix it up. And I like to rewrite it every time I mix it up. And so, um, and then I put it in my, in my computer, 
by the time it goes to the computer, it's almost done. There's a little tweaking, but it's almost done. Word for word. Do you write it word for word? No, absolutely not. So like, okay, so if you've got an illustration about date with Perry in Mexico, whatever. Yep. yep. Well, so you just so, put I, illustration date with Perry. So so I'm color coordinated. <laughs> Uh, color coordinated a little bit. Okay. So every illustration okay. <laughs> is blue. Yeah. So every illustration is That's blue. That's easy. Okay. And so that way I know when I get to that point, I'm telling a story basically. Now, if it's a story, I it's like not that. Mine. Yeah. I bold it. I bold it and put uh, put story or illustration depending on what that is. I like that I, though. I bold my I bold my points. Okay. All of my scriptures, my scriptures used to be. Scripture better be in red. It used to be red. <laughs> it used to be red. Uh, but now it's in yellow. It's easier for me to see. Okay. Um, so so I, use an, I use an iPad to preach from. And so, so I have to, and I've got mine on dark mode. So I have to have mine set. I just found that yellow is easier to sure. see. Sure. So all of my scriptures in yellow, all of my illustrations are in um, blue. And then all of my main points are bolded and underlined. In white. In white. I love that. Yeah. That is that is it makes like, it so much easier. Everybody so Andy Stanley used to talk about using um colored pencils. Mm. He would use colored pencils when uh, studying. Yep. Studying his Bible and also like books. Yeah. He would read books. He would have a freaking cup of colored pencils. Yeah. And that's what he would do. I thought that was incredibly interesting. Yeah. So uh how long okay, so here's another question I have. Mm-hmm. And this has <laughs> this is the oddest way to start this thing. Yeah. So I love it though. Um Okay, so when I worked at the church in Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, I worked for Greg Canada and Bobby Davis, and they are wonderful human beings. And Pastor Bobby, his primary job the two years I was there, he was a communicator. Like, he was not in staff meetings much. He was communicating. Yeah. How many hours during the week are you putting in for a, what, are you about 40 minutes? Yeah. For a 40-minute sermon? I don't, man, I don't keep track of my hours. Um my my method is probably not great. Like I, I'm probably not what everybody else does. Um, that's very organized with theirs. So I may study. I can sit down. Mondays is my first day to start. Typically, so so I like preach you, on Sunday. You have you have a you have a okay. This weekend's this Sunday. You've mm-hmm. already got it pretty much going. It's Thursday. Yeah. You have no idea what you're doing next Sunday. I've got an idea because I preach in series. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, okay. I, I think in series. So when I first start my process, my process may start a couple months ahead of time. Sure. So when I first start my process, I think of a general sermon. And so let's, let's pretend like that a general sermon is, has four points to it. Each of those points becomes a message. Okay. Does that make sense? So yeah, that's where that's the your series, series. That's your four Because I series. want everything to work together. And so then when I do the individual message, I start on Monday and I know what I know what next week is going to be. So, um, mm. so last week was my words are powerful. This week it's talking about the heart because Jesus says all of your words come from your heart. Next week I'm going to be talking about conversations we need to be having. I'm going to talk about conversations with ourselves, conversations with God. So I know what next week is, but I try not to study for next week as best I can. Sure. So this week is Monday, and Monday might be Monday might be five hours worth of study. Okay. So I try to get as much in on Monday as possible. All right. And then throughout the week, it's going to be an hour a day, maybe two, just depends. But then a lot of that might be the most random times, too. So it's not like I just sit down at a desk. I'm not really good at that. Um, I need distraction and I need noise and I need stuff happening. Um, So where will you go? I mean, like I can be I can be at my house and and the kids can be home and they can be doing stuff. 
and I can sit down with my phone and type in stuff or I'll get my notebook and I'll start writing. Um, no, I say no distractions. I'll go hunting sometimes and I'll have my notebook and I'll flip my notebook open and I'm writing while I'm in the tree stand, hoping right. no deer are coming out. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, so I, I just, I'm not always really good at, hey, let me go sit in my office for five hours at a time. So it's not, Monday is a heavy day. Yeah. But like Tuesday through Friday, it's not like, hey, from nine to two, or no. from 9 to yep. 11, no. uh, hey, guys, do not disturb. Don't bother me. Right. It's no, not that. Not that at all. It, there, may be a, there may be 9 o'clock at night. Perry will be, my wife will be laying next to me, and she'll say, what are you doing? I say, I, I've got a thought. I can't talk right now. i got to sure. get this I done. Yeah, me so, too. So I have these moments throughout the week. And then everything's there. And then Sunday morning, I'm very early. So Sunday morning, I'm at church by 6. Service starts at 10. So I'm there four hours early. And um, in the first, probably from six to about seven thirty, I'm just making sure I've got it all, and I'm putting it in. And I, I've just over the years, I like Sunday morning. I like to refresh everything that early. Okay, here's another question I have because when I speak, I do this. Do you ever walk and talk and and just do the whole sermon? Yeah, oh, I yeah. do that. All the time. I, again, that's my Sunday morning. Okay. No one's at the church. Sure. And I will just, I'll just be walking around preaching the sermon sure. to nobody. I, I've done it. Okay, great. I love it. Yeah. Do you ever go back and watch? Nope. Never. I've been told I need to. You need to. Yeah. I, 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 tell, I tell people they need to, and I, I don't ever do it, though. I hate to hear myself. I don't mind hearing myself. I just, I'm a little bit critiqueful. So like Sam, for example, who does all the production for us. Yeah. I was going to tell you, and I haven't told him this. I say the word so. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. My wife says, you know, yeah. and it's so she is does. a filler word for me. And I just, yeah. fi- I figured that out by watching myself. So, so, I- so, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going to start trying to eliminate that in what right. I do, but I think it was probably, especially for you, your, that's your job. Yeah. My job is communicating a little bit, but that's like, yeah, your bread and butter. I, I've been told every, everybody says, you got to go back. You've got to watch yourself. You got to, you know, um, I'm, I'm very much, um, and I was going to talk to you about this too. I critique myself a lot anyway, just in general, just sure. in life. Since, since I was a kid until now, um, I'm very bad about critiquing myself harshly. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, after a service, I can look back. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go watch it. I know everything that I said that was wrong. I know what I said that. I shouldn't have said it that way. You know, I, I'm already picking stuff out as soon as I walk off the stage. Yeah. So that's a, it's a difficult thing for me to go back and watch it because I already know what I did, what I messed up on. And then I'm, I'm really good at asking people. You only preach saw. once a day or? That's it, once a Sunday. Yeah, we only so, have one service. So what, and Mark was telling me about this. I think what, I don't even know if they do this anymore. I know in the early days, Pastor Chris would, they'd preach at 8, 9.45 and 11.15 or something mm-hmm. like that. Three, three times as hard. Yeah. And they would come in after eight and they, there's three or four of them sit down and they, they, they extrapolate it. Yeah. And there's yeah. only like 25 minutes in between services. Right. And they'd go through and they'd say, let's can we change this, tweak this, do this, do this. They did that in between both services. Yeah. It's, which is the ultimate form of, oh, yeah, of communication and right. is, is the preparation. But I was wondering, like, you know, who do you ask besides your, I mean, do you ask your wife? I, I ask my wife and she's very honest with me. Is she? Yeah. 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 That's um, good. She's gonna now. She's gonna lean more towards the how I said something I versus agree. what I say. Um, I can talk to my dad. My dad's you know retired pastor, and he's gonna lean more towards 
you know, scripture, this is how you use this, or this is this thought. Um, and now I just recently have a new guy on staff that is a pastor. Um, his church merged with my church. Yeah. And so now he's on staff with me. So I've got him to bounce stuff off of as well. But I've never had so before. I, I heard the story about Hodges and how they do that. I think that's great. Yeah. I never had that. So even when I when we were in a smaller building and had to do two services and I got to preach twice, I loved it. Because you, you did. get to, I like preaching twice because you preach the first time and the second time it's like you know got some it. of the kinks. Yes. Yeah. You can figure out the some segues. Of that stuff. Yeah. The, yes. So that part I like, but I never had that person. And I've I've heard of other pastors that will sit down in a room full of guys and all they do is talk about the sermon. Now one guy's preaching. But the rest of them, they're giving him notes and they're giving him illustrations. It's always been me. Yeah. And so it's very difficult sometimes to have that. Wow. But now with these new, you know, my dad being on staff with me now, this other pastor, Nathan, being on staff with me now, that gives me those guys to bounce stuff off of. And that helps. Um, Okay, so let's do this. Let's talk about your, the journey. You've, you've had a, you've been in ministry a long time. Yes. um, Because mainly because your dad lived, Mm -hmm. lived uh, abroad a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Um, give me the give me the four or five minute journey of of Gabriel and and what that looks like. Uh, so my dad did uh, spend some time on the mission field yep. with us. So we went to we lived in Costa Rica for a year when I was six, and then Guatemala for three years after that. How were you when you lived in Guatemala? So the whole thing is it was four years, one term. It was six to ten. So, okay, so, so Costa Rica yep. to Guatemala. Costa Rica straight to Guatemala. Okay. Yep, absolutely. And then. My dad got a job uh, at a church in Auburn, Alabama, yep. to be a pastor. So we, we moved there. And by the time I turned, I, I want to say like 15, something like that. So five years later, I started preaching. And they would let me preach in the youth group. They would let me preach, yeah. you know, in different areas. And then I had a youth pastor that would take me out. <laughs> so you see these people preach on the street corner. You know, yeah. uh, we weren't mean about it. But my, my youth pastor was very much a evangelist mindset. Mm. And so he would take me downtown Auburn, you know, right there on campus and give me a megaphone and be like, all right, you're going to preach a sermon. And, you know, and so I was just, I was one of those. Are people. you kidding me? I am not kidding you. That's how I started was preaching on a street corner um, with my youth pastor. We used to make fun of those people. I make fun of those people today. I mean, I'm there's making a guy fun of myself. That, there's a guy that sits at Chalkful Mountain Road and, <laughs> tra- and Highway 11 that does I that. I know. And some of them are very mean. That's why I try to distinguish. They're very mean about it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're all going, going to hell. hell. Yeah. Every, everybody's <laughs> going to hell. Um, I, I really, we didn't do that. So yeah. we, we preached the love of Christ. But that's how we got started. Um, I, I ended up taking <laughs> over the, the middle school ministry at my dad's church. I ran that as a teenager. Okay. Uh, I went to a, 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 not Bible college, but it was um, a ministry training group for two years. We traveled all around the world, did, you know, school assemblies. What was it called? Master's Commission. Master's Commission. Yep. yep. So we did all the human videos, exactly. you know, and oh, all yeah. that stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was there. I did all that. And, but I did a lot of speaking there. Okay. And then after that, I was, um, I was a youth pastor at my dad's church for a while, a uh, children's pastor, um, moved to Mobile. My wife and I got married. We moved to Mobile, and we worked as children's and youth pastors there. And then my dad took a job. My dad went back on the mission field, and he spent a couple of years over there. My mom got sick. They came back home. And so we moved to Birmingham to help him at a church uh, in Birmingham. Okay. Um, and then that church, through whatever, had a lot of financial baggage. And yeah. So the church ended up shutting down. And so, let me, so let's stop there, for, and we'll go sure. back to that. So, so why is there— because you hear about this 
all the time. You hear about two things that break churches down. One, the pastor screwing someone he shouldn't screw. Yep. Number two is money. Yep. What? What? We understand why the first one's wrong. Yeah. Well, what's the deal with the second one? What is that? Why? Why does that? Why does that pop up in churches? I mean, I, I think there's different levels of it. There's there's greed. You know what I mean? Okay. So So if you've got if you've got someone out to just take money, that's one thing. Sure. But I, I think another problem, honestly, is you get a bunch of people in charge of a church that don't know anything about money. They're mm. not business people. They are just lay people in the church. Lay people. Yeah, you like that word, <laughs> I don't love you? that. We don't use that very often. <laughs> we don't. But I, I was at a church one time, and, and they had a board of deacons. The board of deacons are the ones that are in charge of the finances. Sure. They got voted on. Well, one of the guys that, got, that was trying to get voted in as a deacon brought his whole family to church with him that night to the meeting to vote, and they— Half of them didn't hardly come to church. I mean, we're checking records, seeing if they even go to our church, but they're there to vote. Now, this guy didn't know the first thing about money. He just wants authority within the church. He wants power. Well, you get something like that, and they start making business deals and, and doing stuff that's just that's messed up. And the same with and it, the pastor side of it. If the pastor is greedy, he can screw a church. But if the, if the board doesn't know what they're doing. So at our church, whenever we started, um, I said, I'm going to handpick finance people. And I'm only picking people that are good with, money. with their personal finance or with their business finance. I'm not huh. letting people vote on it. It's not a popularity contest. Sure. Cause I'm, I'm my fear. I grew up knowing my dad knew Jimmy Swaggart, you know, mm. he got in trouble, uh, sexually. Uh, my dad, uh, didn't know Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, but we were, we, we were in those kind of circles. Sure. And so we saw a lot of pastors fall because of sex and money. And I always said, even as a kid, I was like, I, I was scared to go into the ministry because of sex and money. So yeah. whenever I got into the ministry, I've done everything I can to try to be above board in those areas. Okay, this is a great question. How do you protect yourself in the, in the sex? What are rules you guys have, whether it's you and Perry? What, what, how do you pr pr protect yourself from, in the sexual way of not falling there? Do you have, do you have rules set? set yeah, I mean... It's the same stuff you hear a lot. I still think I think it's good just because you hear a lot. That means it's not good. You know, you're not in the car alone with a woman. Correct. You're not in the building alone with a woman. Sure. Um, we have we do have a, a secretary or administrative assistant. She's um, you know she's a woman, obviously. Yep. Um, she's a grandmother. Sure. And, and uh, so she would be the only person that I'm around sometimes in the building. Uh, but, but that's it. We don't drive in the car or anything like yeah. that. If I have a meeting with anybody that's a woman, um, I'm bringing Perry or I'm getting this lady Beverly and they're coming in there and, and gotcha. we'll have a meeting like that. So the, the biggest thing is keeping yourself away from stuff like yep. that. And then, and then on the personal side too, uh, we don't watch any, like I say, we Perry obviously doesn't either, but we don't watch movies that have nudity in them. Yep. Um, just, we just don't do it. Like yeah. I, anything I can do to keep myself, you know, away from that, to guard my heart, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so, um, those are like our, our big deals, but we don't do a lot like, like in the church. Um, if we have prayer time, like if we're praying for people, it, it's me and Perry. Sure. Or I, nobody prays alone. We always get other people with us. So those are small things that we do to set up, but I wouldn't even call that a rule. That's just something we do but it's you know, not, does that but make sense you think it's common sense but it's not common yeah. sense so when we tell some of these high school and college kids 
this is what we tell them. And this is what we tell our kids. Don't pray with the opposite sex by yourself. No, never. But like you, you say that to somebody, some of these kids that are, that love Jesus. Yeah. They're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, here's what happens. Prayer is an intimate response yep. Yep. and an intimate act. And if I'm praying with you, it is a, it is a, a level of intimacy that comes together. The next thing you know, your clothes are going to be off. <laughs> and that sounds really, really horrible. You're laying hands on each You're other. You're laying hands on each other. Yeah. But, but like, it is a, it is something that we, like I, we, we have to talk to our kids about. Right. It's like, hey, praying's awesome. And you see mommy and daddy pray for people yeah. in public, whatever. Yeah. But listen, you are not praying right. with the opposite sex nope. by yourself. Nope. Ever. Because it is, it, it takes you to a different it takes you to a different yeah. level. So, okay, you're, you're back in Birmingham. Your dad, You and your dad are at a church in Birmingham. Yeah, we're back together. Financial issues going on there. Financial issues, none of ours. It was, it was just stuff that was stuff set you up. inherited. Yeah, inherited financial issues. So the church was shutting down. And um, so, so that's whenever I, and I told my dad about it, I don't know, six months before that, maybe a year before that, I said, hey, look, I feel like, I feel like I'm supposed to step out. I feel like I'm supposed to start something. And, you know, I want your blessing. He was totally fine with that. My dad's always been, you know, pushing us towards whatever we feel like God wants us to do. So I started setting up the church that we have now. And I figured, hey, this church is shutting down. We're probably going to glean right. a lot of people because they know me. Um, and we did for about the first month. And then after that, they all went it, everywhere. It, it went everywhere. And and so chaos ensued after that. It yeah. was uh, quite a roller coaster ride for us as far as ministry is concerned. Matter of fact, when I was thinking... I thought, you know, whenever whenever you and I were talking about me coming on this podcast, I was like, I, I'm not sure what Thomas wants to hear because what you might hear is how to fail. I've got a variety of ways to help people fail if they need. But, but, they need a but here's the thing, though: the key the key in that is figuring out what you did wrong. Sure. Hey, we did this. This did not work. We're yeah. not going to repeat this. Right. And so it's like, oh, Edison used to say, I know, I know a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah. Well, yeah. like, you know, a bunch of different oh, ways not to, to do, do things. Yeah. But here's the thing. You've got a pretty successful church. So you've done some things right. And it tells me that what you've done is you've learned from the mistakes that you have made. Because everybody, we've made mistakes at Millfit with Hebel and Time. Yeah. I mean, we did this thing one time. We spent thousands of dollars. We thought, listen, I thought this was going to be the best idea. We did a, a 4th of July menu. Yeah. Okay, because we barbecue really good. We did yeah. a Fourth of July menu. We did a photo shoot. Spent hundreds of dollars. I mean, I, Sam shot it. We had this big group of people. We we spent a lot of money on this, and we did not sell one thing. <laughs> not one. Not one. Don't My you hate mom it like, when it's your best one. idea? And, it is the best it idea. It bombs. Yeah. And I just looked at the girls. I was like, Hey, we're done with this. We're not doing this. Yeah. Anymore. I was like, We're. I've tried two or three times to do special things like yeah. Thanksgiving or no, nope. no, no more. Nope. We ain't doing it anymore. So. Like figuring out and learning right, from your mistakes right. is great. So you're so you're a gate, you start Gateway. How it's, long have y'all been at Gateway for, uh, to, for, for like now? Gateway, I think, is 11 years old. Okay. So when we started Gateway, the first month we were in existence, we were in Pinson Valley High School. Okay. We're at the brand new fine arts facility they yeah. just built. What we didn't know is they did not do the plumbing right or the drainage right on the roof. It's a flat roof building. Yeah. And so... Sunday morning before Labor Day, we we do church Sunday morning. Sunday night, I take Perry downtown Birmingham. We stay in a hotel, just have a little bit of a getaway. Yeah. So we go do that. I get a call on Monday morning from the school. Hey, the roof caved in. 
there was a big rainstorm and the roof filled up with water and the whole thing caved in. So, so here we are Monday finding out that we don't have a church building. Oh my gosh. And so. How long have y'all been in existence at this time? A month. Oh my gosh. A month. We're one month in. Yeah. So I'm calling anybody I know. And so there's a guy that had a, that was pastoring a church right down the street from Pinson Valley High School. And, and I knew him, I, I just met him. And I said, hey man, is there any way we could come, you know, use your building at some time? So we started doing church at 4 p.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Nobody goes to church. At Nobody 4 wants on a to Sunday. go to church. At Nobody 4 wants to go to church. I didn't know that. I thought it was a great idea because I'm going to go to church on Sunday. But at 4 you're going to church any. But I'm getting paid to you're go to church. Paid to go to church. <laughs> so, so yeah, the church just went from, you know, a decent, you know, I don't know, maybe a hundred people or something like that to nothing. Like we, we bottomed out. It was, it was felt like just me and my family. We had a few more people than that maybe, but, um, so we did that, I think maybe through Christmas of that year. Oh, wow. Struggling, bro. Struggling. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. It was bad, real bad. And then we moved over. Uh, we found out that the, the skate center in Trustful was yeah. open uh, on Sunday mornings. So we moved in there. They were super nice to us. It was very cheap, saved us some money because yeah. we, were, we were bleeding money. So we moved in there. When we moved in there, um, you know, we kind of picked up a little momentum, got a couple of new families, and then just lost a ton of families because we were there too long and people mm. just didn't want to go there. So do you know Sean Clark? So Sean used to, he used to be a campus pastor for Hollins. Okay. Sean was actually a youth pastor at a church that I was a youth pastor at later on. So he and I followed each other. Okay. And uh, so then Sean started working for ARC. Yeah. And so I went and met with Sean and we didn't do ARC. We didn't do, when we started, we didn't have any help. We no, didn't know what we were doing. Grow, ARC, none, none of, of it. Stuff. None of it. We didn't know what we were doing. So I go and meet with Sean. I said, Sean, you know, look, man, I'm struggling. Like we're hurting. What do we need to do? And he said, uh, he said, well, where are you meeting? I said, we're in a, a skate center. And Sean said, well, there's one thing we tell people in ARC, never meet in a skate center. <laughs> i like, Sean, you're killing thank me. Thank you, thank you. He said, does it smell like feet? I said, every Sunday every morning. Every Sunday morning. He said, are your, you know, are the nurseries terrible? I said, absolutely, because they're in like a laser tag room, as our kids are. So it's dark with big scary things on the wall. And so we just could not get any momentum. And... Um, and that was when that was when I hit my kind of darkest time in ministry that I've ever had. Mm. And I, I was going to actually mention something about that with you too. It's a question I have for you in a minute. But we, um, I just had one other guy on staff with me at that time. And Sunday morning in December, he comes up to me, and we're tear tear down setup, right? Yeah. So we're putting everything back up. In everything. A I just closed the trailer. I locked the trailer and he says, Hey, I need to talk to you, which always means something bad. Yeah. You know, nobody ever wants to talk no to you. No one ever, I don't want to talk to you and have a check. Yeah. Right. Never. Right. They just give it, give you the check. Yeah. Right. But he goes, I need to talk to you. I said, what? He said, I'm leaving. I'm going to go start a church. And I said, uh, I said, okay. And I went home still in my blue jeans and, you know, shirt and got in bed like, and mm. Perry got in bed and the kids are running around. I don't even know if they ate lunch that day, but she and I just laid in bed and cried because I just knew this was it. Like, this was it. He was the only, he did worship and I couldn't, I can't sing to save my life or play right. an instrument. And I, I was like, this is it. We're done. And the church didn't have any money. I was working at that time. I'd, I'd, um, I was working a job, full-time job. So I would work my, I'd, I'd wake up in the morning, 
you know, 3 a.m., eat some breakfast, fix lunch for the kids, fix lunch for Perry, fix lunch myself, go to the gym by five, take a shower, get home, go to work in Hoover. What were you doing? I was working at a school. Um, I was a behavior interventionist. So I worked with kids that were special needs or kids that don't have dads. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, it was a great job. It was a great job. At that time, it was a, they didn't have the behavior interventionist title. It was just a, an instructional support aid. But um, so I would do that and I would come home and do church. I'd do church work and fall asleep on the couch at eight o'clock like this, just sitting straight up. Tired. And then do it over again every day. And then this guy comes up to me and says, by the way, I'm leaving. Mm. And, um, and so I got super depressed, really? super depressed. Yeah. I mean, I just, and, and so we, we even tried to quit. Was money a strain on your family at the time? No, not in the sense of we, we've always, I feel like there's a lot of things I'm not good at when it comes to ministry in life, but I'm not good at certain things in ministry. One thing I feel, I feel like I am good at is just trusting God. Sure. I know that sounds super spiritual, Yeah, but, but it's, it's the truth. So financially for our family, we always tithe, yep. always have, always will, and we never missed a beat. And so... The church was struggling financially, but I, I was working this job to take some of the load off. So the church wasn't paying me very much at all. Right. And so that helped financially. That day that I talked to Sean, he told me, he said, he said, if you can ever get the church to the point where you're not worried about money, he said, it'll change the way you preach and it'll change the way you do ministry. And he said, because then you're not looking at people as dollar signs, you're looking at them as souls. Mm. And I was like, you're right. You know, that's a good thought. So um, church was struggling financially. We needed to get out of the PlayStation. and Because it smelled like feet. Because it smelled like feet. Yes. Um, dude, this is so bad. So if anybody ever watches this and you want to be a pastor, you want to start a church, Highlands College students out there want to be church planners. Not everybody starts like Highlands. Not everybody starts with 700 people in no. Mountain Brook, right? No. Like, uh, so we, you know, we're, we're in there. I'm showing up at church 5 o'clock every Sunday oh, yeah. morning, and I'm cleaning the toilets, like that was my job to clean the toilets and the bathrooms. And let me tell you something, a skate center bathroom that's run by a bunch of teenagers is horrible, has nasty toilets. Well, one day the lady that owned the, the place let her dogs, like she brought her dogs and her dogs were running around or whatever. That next Sunday morning when I got there, there's dog poop literally on the skate floor. So who's cleaning that up? Oh my. This guy. So I'm down there, you know, cleaning up dog poop, scrubbing the floor, trying to make... So, so that was a tough time. Mm. And, and then my guy's leaving. And so it's tough. So somehow there was an opening. There's a little bar in town in, in Trustville called Tipsy T's Bar. And they'd gotten shut down. Do you know Tipsy T's? No. No. Okay. This is a wonderful the way, story. The though. way you look at it, I was like, yeah. oh. look, we had, we had a guy in our church. He said, listen, if you see any pictures in the bar when you're remodeling it of me, just know that was my old life. Just know so, it was past, past yeah. me. So, uh, so we get into Tipsy T's Bar and they had been shut down for noise ordinance. What did Sean say about starting a church in a bar? Sean doesn't know I started a church okay, in a bar. Sean ahead. doesn't know anything about keep that. Going, keep going. I try to keep that one away. Yeah. So we go in, we remodel the place. And, um, and from there, like I showed uh, Robert Morris. You know who Robert Morris is? Gateway Church uh -huh, in Dallas. Yeah. So he's got a video series, uh, a sermon series uh, called Blessed Life. It's about finances. And so we get into this Tipsy, tea, tipsy Tea's bar and I was worn out. And so I just turned on. Oh, let me back up just real quick. We go to the we go to the owner of the of the whole strip area, 
And he said, I don't like doing business with churches because churches are bad business. Y'all will default on your loans and you'll do all this kind oh of stuff. Oh my gosh. And I said, um, I said, okay. And he said, he said, I tell you what, I'll let you come in here, but you need to give me a 90 days notice, you know, whenever you're running out of money or you need to leave. And I said, here's my 90 days notice. I, in my bank account, I only had 90 days worth of rent. That's all the money we had in our bank account at the church was 90 days worth of rent for this one place. <laughs> You're signing the lease and giving notice at the same time. Same time, Perfect. same time. And so that's what I was saying. I, I just had to trust God. Yeah. So we show the Robert, we get in there, we show the Robert Morris video. Um, you didn't even preach. I would, no, I would get up, I would introduce it, like give one little quick thought and say, let's see what Robert Morris has to say about this. I'd walk off stage, play the video, and I would come back up and do an altar call at the end. Did that for four or five weeks. And our finances didn't blow up, but they stabilized. And so we, we hit, um, I think it was $16,000 a month. And that was the most we'd ever seen was $16,000 a month. Thank you, Robert Morris. Thank you, Robert Morris. Yeah. If you're watching, you're the man. So $16,000 a month is all the money we had ever seen. And we were ecstatic that paid all of our bills. And I still was working a job, but it was paying our bills and we were good. You know, we were at the bar at the bar. And so we did that for a couple of years at the bar, at the bar. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Couple okay, of years. You have to tear down and set up at the bar though. No, no. Nope. That's great. Everything was, we, that's a straight. Yeah. We had to, that was a the game tear down, tear down oh. and set up is a strain. We've had churches. We've had so, some of the campuses here that have been done it for eight years. It's, it's bad. It's a strain. It's bad. And wow. if you have people that aren't bought into that, they quit on you real quick. Sure. So it ends up being you. Yeah. That was bad. Mm. That's really bad. So you're at the bar. Y'all have made money. You're stabilizing. Yeah. Took a couple of years. Now, during this time, are you, you're continuing, I would imagine, to save, to save, to save for another building or to get out? Or what, how we, does that work? We didn't, no, we, didn't, we couldn't. So that $16,000 took care of all of our bills. It didn't really offer us a lot of savings. We had a little bit of savings, not a lot. Sure. Um, we got to a point, though, where things had really started progressing. We were doing two services in the bar. You know, okay. Things were doing better. So we're a couple of years into the bar. And uh, there was a building that was open. And we kept trying to get into this building. They wouldn't let us in. We said, hey, we would love, it was a church that had pulled out of their denomination. So it was just sitting empty. And so we said, hey, we want to, could we lease it? They said, no, you can't lease it. Could we do a lease purchase? No, you can't do that. And so we negotiated with them, talked to them, talked to them. And we went through and prayed on that building. We just felt like this is where God wanted us. Yeah. But the, but the people didn't, we never, we could work it out. Right. So eventually, um, we made them an offer and uh, we had gone back and forth and, and nothing worked out. And, and they said, look, just make us an offer. And I said, I already made you an offer and you rejected it. They said, well, make us another offer. And so they kept hounding me and we had kind of just shut them out. Sure. So I talked to my, my trustees, my board, and I said, let's make them an offer that they'll reject. Like a final offer that we know for a fact they will not accept. So you went lower than your other offer. I went lower. I did all the things they said they would never do. I said, we're going to do a lease purchase. I want 33% of the money to go towards the purchase price. I want, you know, all this kind of stuff that I knew they were going to reject. So I submitted that offer in December. I didn't hear from them again. Like they ghosted me and I was fine with that. So I'm talking to my board and I said, look, I said, I feel like we need to have a building fund of something. I said, so let's open up a separate bank account. And the only thing that goes in that is special offering for a building one day. I can't touch it for my personal salary. We can't hire new staff. We can't, you know, buy a new computer. Sacred money. It's sacred. 
And and they were like, well, let's do a fundraiser. And I, I hate fundraisers. So I was like, no, we're not Boston doing that. Boston butts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've done enough of those. Yeah. I'm not selling candy bars. Yeah, exactly. So so we look in the Bible of all places. And um, Moses, in Exodus, Moses tells the people, hey, we're going to build this tabernacle. I need you guys. And God told Moses to do this. I need you guys to go and bring your best offering. And they start bringing all of this stuff yeah. to build the tabernacle. So we told our people, we said, once a year, we're going to take up an offering and it's just your best gift. If it's a dollar, if it's a thousand dollars, we don't care. Whatever your best is, and, and we're going to do it once a year. And so that first year, we did it the last Sunday in April. And when we did it, we had a fifteen thousand dollar offering in one day. In one day, and sixteen k is nor- a normal. Sixteen k is a normal month. Fifteen thousand dollars in one offering. Mm. Biggest offering we'd ever seen in in one day. This was the April after you. We're December, December, I, I the gave church. them the, the, yeah. the deal that would never be accepted. The, the never accepted, okay. So that was the last Sunday in April. Um, two days later was on a Tuesday. I was at my other job. And while I'm at my other job, I get a phone call. And it's a real estate agent. She said, hey, the, the people at the church took your offer. They accepted it. And they want to meet with you. Five months later, four Five months, months later. I haven't heard a word from them. And they, they accepted my offer. So I go in May meet with these guys. And when I met with them, they said, not only do we accept your offer, they said, instead of 33% going to the purchase price, we want 100% to go to the purchase price, which is better for me. That lowers the interest, the interest and everything. So I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And they said, the only thing is, they said, you, you said that you would put some money towards improvements. We would rather it just be a down payment in cash. And they said, would you be able to do $15,000? What? And I said, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I can't. I just happen to have 15 grand right now. No. So I wrote him a check. And um, yeah, so we've been there for a couple of years. We we ended up purchasing it. We I mean, we, you know, we've got a loan through the bank or whatever. All of that stuff worked out great. Um, How God long are you in that building? We've been in this building. Oh, so this is the this building. one we're in now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is okay. the one we're in now. Yeah. Okay. Eight acres in Trustful. Um, at a great intersection. At a great intersection. And listen, Thomas, this is so stupid. Right behind a Mexican restaurant. I, I told God. And everyone's happy at a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Everyone loves it. We walked to the Mexican <laughs> exactly. restaurant. I had a new guy in church Sunday. Some of your family members were there, actually. And uh-huh. he sat next to him. Um, this is two Sundays ago. He sat next to him, didn't know him. And, uh, and after church, he walked down to the Mexican restaurant. Oh, yeah. And so he told me, he said, is this what you guys do all the time? Every I was day. like, yeah, we do this a lot. <laughs> I love it. He came back the next week. Yes. Yes. I think it's the Mexican restaurant. Oh my gosh. Look, I, I told God, I said, God, I'll move to this building, but no one's going to know where we are. Because I, I never go to that part of the of Trustful. I didn't realize that Stockton and Carrington, the two biggest neighborhoods in Trustful, they pass it. on either side of it, and they go past it to go to the interstate. A gazillion times a day. Yeah. Wow. Didn't even know it. Man. Okay, so great segue. Managing people yep. and managing money. Yep. In a church, in my opinion, and I, you could speak to it, is just like a Fortune 500 business, meaning you're having to manage people, mm-hmm. okay? Your staff, yep. which is not a huge staff, but right. you've got to manage staff. Right. you got to manage your, your, your members, your clients. I mean, yeah. I, I hate to say them that. No, but no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. But you're also having to manage the finances. Yeah. And you got to get up every week and talk to them about, you know, what direction they need to yeah. go. How do you stay sane? with having because there's a lot of people that collapse to the pressure of money people and managing all that how do you stay sane 
in doing that and still remain a great family guy and fit and all those things. I, th- I think you have to have good teams around you. Yeah. You really do. And so when it comes to the when it comes to the money stuff, one of the things that's been interesting for us um, is when we got in this the building we're in now. Well, when I, I told you we, we had that one, you know, we got to the sixteen thousand dollar mark or whatever it was. We had some negative years financially. God has blessed us big time. The last three years in a row, we've doubled our income at the church. That's amazing. Wow. I, there's no way we can. I, I told someone the other day, I was like, there's no way we can keep this up. You yeah. know, that, that's not going to keep yeah. happening. Um, but, but it's amazing to see that happen. So, so managing that kind of stuff, when, it, when we didn't have any money at all, or when we were in the negative every month, it was really easier because you, there's no pressure. It's, hey, we're just surviving. Yeah. Just see what you can do. Now it's a little bit more pressure. And I was going to ask you the same thing. I was going to ask you the difference between leading in plenty versus leading in lack. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's a difference whenever you're struggling leading and then whenever you've got everything going for you leading, um, that, that's a little bit different. And I think that's where you got to have teams around you to help you, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think when you're leading in, in, in lack, mm-hmm. meaning you don't have much money. I think it's easier to put your head down and go to work, mm-hmm. trust God, oh, and yeah. just, just kind of go at it. The hard part is when you start winning. Yeah. You typically don't trust in God as much. Yeah. Just being superhuman about it. Right. You're super thankful, but it's a lot easier to look at yourself than it is to thank God. Mm-hmm. Now, God always has a tendency to humble us in those situations. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very, you know, it's hard to try how to say this. <clears throat> it is probably harder to lead sometimes. It's harder to keep pressing. Yeah. Keep going forward. Yeah. When you've got the plenty. Yeah. Because when you got, when you don't have much at all, you know what the goal is. Right. You know that there's a goal. That's why, and this, I'll say this, this is why I like having goals. A lot of people don't like goals. Right. A lot of people don't like have, have things to strive for. Like, I'm not afraid to say it. We have a number goal that we want to sure. hit this year. Yeah. A little different than a church. Right. But we have a number goal. We had a number goal last year. We beat it by $5,000. Wow. $5,000. That's it. And I was super humble. I told, I told Jackie, I was like, you know, it's, it's crazy. And I told my team, really, I, it, it's crazy that, that, we, that we were able to do this. Now, it's also like you're talking about teams. What, mm-hmm. we, what we have done that's made it easier when we've had plenty is you've got more people in place mm-hmm. that can own certain things yep. where it takes it off of you. Yep. Because it, when you started, you were cleaning up the dog poop. Oh, you were unloading, unloading the yeah. trailer. Yeah. You were preparing the message. You were pushing play. You were shutting the lights on. You were shutting yeah. the lights off. I've done all that. I've washed yeah. every dish. I've prepared every meal. I've, I've done all that. I don't have to do that anymore. Right. Like we've got someone now that keeps our books. She does. She knows where every dime goes. And tells me this percentage of labor, this percentage of yep. food, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, I sit and meet with her one time a month for thirty minutes, and she tells us how how we did, which is wonderful. It makes it easier sometimes when you have the plenty mm-hmm. because there's not as much the stress. Yeah, but I think some stress is good. That's yeah. why we have goals. I for me, one of the things I've found is is right now our church is at a the best place it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, COVID hit everybody hard. We lost again. We we had built up. We lost half of our members mm. here in COVID, 
And, um, you know, the, the governor said the whole thing, you can meet together if you got less than 50 people. And we were like, we probably got less than 50 people. Our first Sunday to meet together, we had 35 people. Amen. And so it was like, all yeah. right, here we're we good. go. You we're know? Good. And, uh, and so now we've, you know, God is really blessed and we, you know, financially things have done really well. Um, numerically things have done really well. Um, we're, we're new problems now, you know, too many kids in the nursery, too many kids sure. in the kids area, all that kind of stuff, which is good. But I've, I've found that sometimes I feel a little bit more pressure when things are good because it's almost, it's almost like there's this expectation that, you know, like I, like I told you, oh, well, the finances doubled the last three years in a row. Well, what's going to happen this year? You know, sure. if it doesn't double, what, what, have you oh, done something wrong? Yeah. You know, are you, are you messed up? And so I, that's why I was going to ask you because from the business side versus the church side, you know, how does that, how does that feel? And it is hard, you know, and I think having the teams, one of the, one of the biggest blessings I've had so far, I've always had a finance team that has helped me. I've never had anybody helping me on the day-to-day finances, which is what I have to run at the church. I've got to be in charge of the day-to-day finances. What, what do you mean day-to-day? Give me an example. So, so like your, your nursery budget, you know, how much money is a nursery spending on snacks and stuff like that? Not that I'm actually in there counting the beans, I, but but I have to be in charge over the day to day. the The trustees help me with the big the picture. salary, the yeah, plumbing, the salary, the, the, yeah. all the little yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, in this in this new wave of people coming to church, new people coming to church, um, we've got a guy that's a CPA, and he said, you know, I don't really like necessarily working with kids or working with youth. I don't sing. I don't do computers. He said, would you ever have a need for someone to help you with like budget stuff? And I was like, ding, absolutely. Ding, ding. <laughs> and so now he and I meet a couple times a month. We go through a, a budget. Every ministry has a budget. The budget is the new bad guy. So if, if you're the worship pastor and you need new microphones and you come to me, instead of me saying, well, let me see if I can find the money, I just look at the budget and say, hey, we got $500 yeah, here. Get what you need. You know, get, get it. As long or, as it's not five, more than $500. Yeah, or yeah. if it's more than $500, wait till next month and you'll have $1,000. Yeah. You know, we'll just build it up. And so, man, that's that's been a game changer. I mean, it's just huge, just life-saving for me. And it frees me up to really focus on the things that God wants me to do at the church. All right, the great segue. How do you keep your schedule manageable? Because you've got you got three kids. <laughs> okay. I was going to so, ask you how to do so that. So daughter, son, big son, middle daughter, little son. Yes, Wife, it's a school teacher. Yes. So she's not there. I mean, eight to three, she's she's done. She's gone. Yeah. Okay. Hot preaching. Yeah. Doing stuff like this. How do you manage that? Do you have like, hey, this is blocked off. This is open. This is free time. Hey, don't touch this time. Oh, talk, talk to me about that. I, I'm not great at that part yet. I, okay. I'm still learning some of that stuff. Um, my my daughter's doing volleyball for the school. Yep. Your wife is her coach, and then she also does club volleyball. Yep. So that adds a whole nother wrinkle. And she can't drive. And she can't drive yet. Yep. She's, yep. she's 15. I took her, I let her drive on the road a little bit the other day with me. That's good. Yep. Um, I almost, I thought I was going to yeah. die, of course. Yeah. But my son, my son drives, my oldest son drives, but he's got a job. And so it is a constant calendar. If, if it wasn't for the iPhone with the iCal constantly, all of us, we've got a calendar on the fridge. It is a constant calendar massage. It's sure. It's always looking at, you know, here's the times when we can do stuff. Here's the times we can't. So I also coach CrossFit, yep. uh, you know, a couple hours a day. And so I'm always looking at my calendar saying, you know, 
basically during the school day. So between yeah. 10 and three, those are my flex hours. If, if someone needs to do something with me, like you said, hey, you wanna do this? You said one o'clock, I was like, oh, that's perfect. One o'clock works great for me because that's in that time. Once three o'clock hits and kids start coming home, dad it needs mode. to be picked up. I'm in I'm in dad mode. And I still can do some church stuff depending on the schedule, but but I try to be dad mode at three um, as much as I can if I have to. Um, and then my wife, you know, she works, she works out, she plays pickleball. She's a big pickleball, big pickleball player. player. She goes and plays tournaments yes. and all that kind of stuff. So you got a fourth kid. Yeah, I got a fourth kid. Yeah. So we've got a lot going on. Um, so that part is that, that's tough. The, the schedule thing is tough. But like today, while I'm here, I've got an appointment at four something. So so today, my oldest son is picking my daughter up from school, taking her to practice. Then he's going to go to work and I'll pick her up from practice. And, you know, so we'll have the schedule to be everywhere. What I'm hearing you say is it's about making sure everybody and everybody's on the same team. Yes. And, and everybody communicating. Phones are awful. Yeah. But phones are great. Right. Because this is a matter of you sitting giving a text message to big, a little Gabe and saying, yeah. I need you to pick up Emma. Yeah. And we all, we all share a calendar. So yeah. I see their stuff pop up and they see my stuff pop up. So that, that helps, but man, that, but that's so, really the toughest thing we're dealing with right now is schedule. So you're saying 10 to three is get work done. Yeah. You got a five hour window. I got a five hour window that I got to knock some stuff out. Or well, if, I'm honored that you had to spend two hours with me. That's great. Well, this is part of my work. Yeah, it is. It is. That's what I'm going to call so, it. So, okay. Um, how do you make sure Okay, because I've heard a lot of people fail at this. How do you make sure the church doesn't get more of your time than your wife and your kids? I just don't let it. I, um, eh, there's, there's not a good answer for that. My dad, so I watched my dad pastor. Yep. And I watched him fail in that. For, Expand on that just a little so, bit. So my, I've got a brother that's almost nine years older than me. Okay. I watched my dad um, not really spend a lot of time with us, with him. I mean, there was times they would go hunting or they would do some stuff. But but I remember we at one of the churches we were at, we literally our house was the parsonage in the parking lot of the church. Right. Oh, yeah. So we would do Sunday night church. God. My dad would my dad would be at church Sunday night until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Just talking to people, talking to people because they all everybody's got to talk to you. Everybody's got a problem. Everybody's got needs counseling. And so we would go home and go to bed. And so basically Sunday, I didn't see dad at all, unless mm -hmm. I saw him from the stage. That was it. And, and then there was a shift whenever I turned probably 13 and I started doing like camping and youth trips and all that kind of stuff. And I could see a shift. My dad realized, hey, I'm losing, I'm losing this kid. Like I've got to be in his life. So dad went on every youth trip, every camping trip, every, and, and it literally, it was one of those things where he just made it happen. He said, no more counseling after church. Yeah. I've got office hours for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to just make my schedule fit my kid in yeah, that sure. sense. And so for me, it's, it's similar to that. It, if my daughter's got a volleyball tournament and I can go watch it, I'm going to go watch sure. the volleyball tournament. You know, I'm yeah. going to make that time. Um, so Sunday, this weekend, she's got one in Montgomery. Right. And we try not to do stuff where they miss church. Every so often it hits that way. I will drive to Montgomery Saturday. I'll watch her Saturday and I'll come back and my wife will stay with her. Yep. So I'm going to do church Sunday morning, but I'm going to also try to take as much time as I can to be with my daughter and see her do her volleyball. Cause there's going to come a time when there's not going to be anymore. They're not going to be there. You know, they're all yeah. going to move out and then the church can have a little bit more of my time if it needs it. But right. for right now in, in our people are just very understanding. 
So that helps. Yeah. It helps. Okay. Somebody that's re- that's watching this, that's either wanting to go into ministry, wanting to own their own business, because it's the same thing. Yeah. I don't care what you say. It is very Going similar. to, starting your own church, going into ministry, starting your own church, church planning, and owning your own, it's the same thing. Yeah. You've got to manage money. You've got to manage yeah. people. It's the same thing. Yeah. What would you say to those people that are getting into that? How, what, what, is there any one or two pieces of advice you would give them to say, do this or don't do this? Because here's the thing. The don'ts are more important mm-hmm. than the do's a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. So what are, what are those things? I, I, think, I think for me, no money or get someone that knows money. Okay. If, if, you, don't know how to, if you don't know how to handle money, you're going to mess it up. So if you don't know money, Get someone that knows it to help you. Okay, great. How do you know if you know or don't know money? Because here's the thing. Some, peop- some people think that they know money, and, and they don't. Yeah. How do you know? I don't know. You, you look at your bottom line. Is, <laughs> is it going <laughs> down? It's your bank account. <laughs> <laughs> it's going down. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. No, I, that was for me. For me, it was the business side. So I knew how to preach. But preaching only takes you so far in sure. church. You got to know how to handle the business side of it. And, and if you don't, and so that's the same way someone like you that, that's got a business that's built around cooking and food. Every, there's plenty of people out there that can cook as well as you or better Correct. than you, whatever. But can they manage the business side of what they do? If all they want to do is cook, it's not going to make money. It's not. And so you've got to know how to manage that side of it, in my opinion. Yeah. So, so find that weakness that you have. For most, most guys going into ministry, the weakness is going to be money. Okay. It's going to be finances. Um, going into business, again, you're going to build it off your talent. So find that one area that you're not great at and get someone in there that can help you do that. Um, and then the other thing, I, I, one of the biggest mistakes we made when I first started is we had built up um, some money in the bank to start with, launch money. And okay. I made the, the huge mistake of hiring too many people to do too much stuff when in reality, it was stuff I could have done or I could have gotten a volunteer to do. And it Man. wasted our money. And then I had to fire them, not because they were bad, but because of money. money. And, and they did not like me. They were mad at me because they, they thought I'd turn my back on them. And it was literally, I just didn't have the money to pay them. So wow. don't do that in business. Go as long as you can, or in church, go as long as you can without paying people until you absolutely Don't take advantage somebody. of people. Right. But don't. But I also, you, ha- you said you had the guy that, hey, I want to serve. Yeah, I hate I kids. Do this. I hate yeah. music. But man, I'm good at a freaking spreadsheet. Right. There's a place for just about so, everybody. So instead of, instead of hiring him on as CFO of your church or your business, if he's wanting to just be involved and he's got a job that he loves and he didn't want to leave, then yeah. Hey, man, if you can give me an hour a week, two hours a week, that's awesome. You know, I'll take it. Um, but I think that's where a lot of guys go wrong is they try to hire everything out instead of just seeing or, or just working themselves. Sometimes you got to work hard. Like you said, you wash dishes to Man. start with. <clears throat> Sometimes you got to do that to get things going. I can't tell you how many things. I mean, it's like I look in the kitchen now and, you know, we've got 15 or, 15 or 20 employees and I sit there and I, I can sit there and say, hey, look, I, I've done every job in this building. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've packed the meals. I put the stickers on the, on the yeah. boxes. I've sent the invoices out. I've washed the dishes. And so being able to look and see, that I've got people to do that so that I can go grow and do other right. things. It's, it's such a, it's such a blessing. And it, gives, a you, blessing. it gives you perspective whenever you're leading those people, you know, when you're leading the, the dishwashers, you've got perspective, you know how they feel. Oh yeah. You know, it's not like you're just some, 
CEO up here that's just telling everybody what to do, all your minions. We've been there. You've been there. Yeah, yeah. sure. What do you have? Okay. So here's a couple of questions I was going to have for you, but we already talked about some of it. Leading in plenty versus leading in lack. Um, what? Here's when I, I was walking in, I was thinking about this one. You, you and I both probably put a high standard on integrity and character. What? Not that we walk around worried about what everybody thinks, but we want people to think of us as people of men, men of integrity and character, family men. So how do you deal with whenever you have to make a big decision? Let's say you have to let someone go or you have to, you know, stop a business partnership. And then those people hate you for it. You know what I mean? They, they talk bad about you. They dislike you. They, yeah. they, they think of you as, as a person that's, you know, no integrity, no character, whatever the case is. How do you deal with that? Does that bother you? Do um, you- I think, I think, I think the first thing I do before I make those decisions, I always, you know, the Bible is extremely clear about seeking counsel. Yeah. Um, and making sure I've talked through the situation with someone that either knows a little bit of the inside or knows a lot of bit of the inside and telling them why I'm doing certain things. Mm-hmm. Running that by wise counsel. And sometimes it's my wife. Sure. Uh, she didn't know anything about our business, honestly. Yeah. But running things by someone that, that knows me and knows my, my heart. Right. And saying, hey, what's the best way to do this? Or even my staff. Like I've got, uh, you know, a lady on my staff that kind of runs everything. I'll, she's a sounding board for me to like say, okay, XYZ is not doing it. So what I do is I talk it through, number one. Number two, I always, always, always have someone in a meeting with me if I'm making a hard decision. Okay. So you're firing somebody. Or, I'm, I'm letting somebody go. Yeah. I always bring Sierra. I always bring Matt. I always bring somebody in the meeting so that I have a, it sounds horrible, but I have a witness that I didn't do anything stupid or yeah. say something I shouldn't say. Or right. he comes back and said, they say, I said this, I'm above board there. Yeah. I've got a witness. So I do that. And, and honestly, Again, super spiritual. I always pray that the Lord leads me in the right direction on this. Yeah. Um, because I sometimes can come across very, very straightforward, very, very blunt, and just kind of tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. And some, and a lot of people don't receive that. Yeah. And you got to know who you're talking to. So seek wise counsel, number one. Number two, always bring a witness, somebody in to, to help with or to just to be there. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people aren't as bold. Yeah. When another person is there. Okay. Yeah. People aren't as bold with their nose person there. And then the, the third thing um, would be to just pray that you have wisdom and just know the, know the audience too. Mm-hmm. know who you're talking to that you can say, Hey, you can't, you can, sometimes you can go in and say, you know what? You ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah. Some people, you yeah. can't say that. Right. Some people you can. So I think those are the three things that, I, and, and when, if someone is bad mouthing me, mm-hmm. I got to know in my heart that I handled it right. If I know yeah. in my heart that I handled it right, there ain't nothing you can do. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is go around telling all your friends, hey, I really handle this right now. You know what? You yeah. can't, can't throw pearls to swine. So I think that's kind of where I am. I got just enough. I don't give a crap in me. Right. To where I don't worry if I know that I handled the situation right. Yeah. I think that, that was the thing. I was talking to someone the other day and we were talking about how they, they got criticized and they took it very personal. You know, and, and I was talking to a friend of mine about that conversation. I said, my, my brother-in-law, he leads worship for us. And I said, if I told you I didn't like a particular song, I'm not telling you I don't like you. I'm telling you I don't like the song, right? Sure. You, don't get, you don't take it personal. But I think there, I've discovered 
through a course of some conversations, there are some people that take everything a little bit Absolutely. personal versus some people. I think you're a little bit more like um, my wife is this way, too. It's like, well, if you don't like it, if you don't like what I did, if I know what I've what I've done is right. I don't care. You know, I don't care what you think. Okay. Um, growing yeah. up, I cared a lot about what people thought. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, that was a struggle that I had. So going into ministry, you get critiqued a lot. You know, everybody's yeah. got a, a something to tell you. I'll also go, if I find out the person doesn't like something, I'll also go to them and say, hey, tell me, tell me why you didn't like this. I uh, want to know the why. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, that's, this is where, this is where being very upfront and very forward is a good thing. Yeah. Because I'm not afraid to say, hey, tell me, why do you, why, why did you not like this? Tell me, tell me what yeah. I did wrong. I am not afraid to ask that. Yeah. At that's all. good. Or, hey, tell me how I could have done this differently like, next time. Yeah. Because I went, we had a girl and I corrected her. She came and quit because she was too stressed. Mm. And we got about two months. She, she, she gave me eight weeks notice, which is wonderful. Yeah. And we got the back end of it. And I looked at her and I said, hey, uh, I think probably if you would have come to me in like February or January and told me that you were having a hard time instead of April, we could have remedied this. You agree with that? She goes, Wow. So being able to sit and talk to people and just be extremely honest and hey, here's the thing. Don't be afraid of confrontation. Yeah. Some people are extremely non-confrontational. They don't want to deal with negativity or they don't want to deal with, with, you know, butting heads. Yeah. I don't know that you can be like that and be a leader. No. Because you're going to have have problems. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We've got time for one more question. Yeah. As much as you want. Okay. So I, I told you, I told you for, for me, we struggled. We hit that, that moment that I was super depressed. Church is failing. Everything feels like it's going down the toilet. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments, but how, do you, how have you handled failure? Like when you feel like, okay, everything has just gone totally wrong. How have you handled that? How have you handled picking yourself back up, getting yourself back in the fight? What, what have from, you done? From a financial, let's, let's talk about from the financial standpoint. From okay. a financial standpoint, I've always tried to protect myself financially. So I am a huge saver, huge saver. Okay. I am very, very, have take very, very calculated risks. Yeah. I do not, I am not a risky, I'm not risky with investments. I'm not risky with the business. I am not risky at all. Um, so from a financial standpoint, I've tried to make sure that I am always extremely secure in the decisions that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically hire before I need to. Um, but when, we failed on certain things. I've made it abundantly clear to my team that how can we avoid this next time? I always ask the question. I'm always a, I'm a debriefer. I want to know what we did. Yeah. We meet on Monday morning. We had something over the weekend. How could we have made this better? Yeah. So in failing, uh, we failed here. Okay. There's a handful of things we failed at here. I thought, you know, our location on 280, we're on the busiest road in the state of Alabama. Hmm. I thought there's going to be a line of people waiting to come eat lunch here every day. And so one of our things is we're going to be open for lunch and we're going to kill it. A month, in, three, four, five days in, I realized where you have to be a Navy SEAL to find this building. This place yeah. is awesome, but it's in the middle of 280. Right. But it's, we're in a hole. We're back here in the middle yeah. of like, what? A, you can't find this place. Yeah. I had to give you a paragraph of directions just right. to get this place. Right. And so I realized that the lunch thing wasn't going to work. Yeah. We failed miserably because I spent a lot of money and a lot of time on trying to make that work. And I just realized, hey, this is not going to work. I just stopped, went on to the next how, thing. How long did it take you before you stopped to move on? Less than a month. Really? Bro, I, bro listen, let me tell you So something. you didn't think, maybe if I just push another month or nope. two. I am very a quick. I am very, I listen, my pride does not get in the way. Yeah. Okay, so I'll give you another example. 
We've started to go. We did. I knew. I thought that having a ghost kitchen here was going to be great because my kitchen's big. Got a great mm-hmm. big kitchen. I can do pretty much what I want to out of it. Yeah. And then we were going to start a ghost kitchen. And you remember Mr. Be- you know Mr. Beast, the guy that's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he has a line of Mr. Beast burgers. We sold those here. Really? And they did great. Yeah. But the problem was finding someone that would want to work to three thirty to nine thirty at night was very very difficult. Yeah. Number one. Number two. DoorDash had a very very difficult time finding this building right. and coming to the right door. It was horrible. Horrible. Mm. We made tried to make this work for six months and made a little money, not a lot of money. Yeah. And I lost money on the back end of it. The church said, hey, I think we probably need to stop this because of the traffic. I was like, sounds good. <laughs> I looked at Sierra. I said, we're stopping next week. Yeah. We're done. I took the food. I put the food. We did the food for Highlands College. They loved it. I, it was great. So, like, I am not afraid to yeah. let just so, boom, we're not doing this anymore. Um, so, like, for example, we're doing another example of I'm not failing on this. We're just yeah. not killing it on this. Yeah. Our vending machines. Our vending machines, we have eight of them out right now. And they're doing good, but they're not doing great. And I looked yeah. at Sierra today, matter of fact, and I said, hey, look, here's what we're doing. We're not buying anymore. We're going to take a tally every week and look at how they're doing financially. Yeah. And if the bottom guy is the bottom guy for six straight weeks, we're taking that machine out and we're putting it somewhere else. I said, I'm done buying them. I'm going to make sure that these X number of machines that I have are doing great. Mm. And then at that point, if they're all stabilizing, we can then move from there. Yeah. I am not afraid at all. Yeah. To just stop. And I, I guess it's quitting. I'm not afraid at all to quit and go on to the next thing. Yeah. Not at all. See, I, I think there's, there's too much. There's a thin line there, you know, of when do I push and just keep grinding sure. versus I got to stop this. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to end this here at some point. Yep. Um, when we were when we were at our our lowest point, I literally I called in what we have as a team of elders, and I called in our elders. They're like the spiritual guides of the church, and I said, "Guys, I think I think we're done. Like I think we're done. We're gonna have to quit the church. Uh, we'll shut it down. I'll just go to another church and you know help out or do whatever." Um, I said, "But we're struggling here." I said, "We don't have people. We don't have money. You know, we, I'm I'm losing my worship pastor. I'm sure not gonna sing. Right. You know." And, um, and those guys sat in a room and they, I mean, some of these grown men, they're in their tears in their eyes. And they said, they told me, they said, no, we're not done. Let's give it a little bit longer. And, and if in six months it's not working, then, then we'll listen to you again. And I said, okay, I'll give it six wow. more months kind of deal. And so having that counsel around counsel. me, it's listen. huge. It's huge. Cause I was ready to, I was kind of like you, like, I'd kind of drawn this line in the sand and I said, okay, at this point, if we're not hitting these numbers and we're still struggling, we're going to back up. I think there's a difference too in line, the lines in the sand that I drew and the lines Mm. in the sand that you, there's a difference in lines in the sand of, of legs than there is in the whole body. Sure. Absolutely. The organization, like I, there's a line in the sand of the organization, but there's also a line in the sand of this is one sliver of things that we're doing. Mm. And I realized, Hey, this isn't working. I mean, if we sat here long enough, I could talk to you about all the things that we've done that did not work. Because mm-hmm. people look at what we've done and like, man, this this is a lot of great things. Sure. Because we, uh, what do we do? We highlight the great things that we do. Right. Table and time is a wonderful blessing to this business. It probably brings in the most revenue of anything we do. Highlands College is a wonderful part of our business. We have a blessed, we're blessed to be in this building. Yeah. We've got a great kitchen. The, the people at Highlands College are absolutely magical to work with. Meal fit. There's two different legs. Those, but let me tell you something. There's about five or six or eight things that we've done 
that have sucked. Yeah. They've been horrible. And so we've just had to stop those things and go on. But we've I kind of really always got back to the, the main things about what we are. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's, there's been things we've done as a church that just weren't working. Yeah. You know, and you cut those things off, but you don't, you don't kill the whole church. No. And we've you know. had, we've had people like that too. Yeah. We hired a guy named Will. Will was phenomenal. We hired him in a position that we just really didn't need. And we, it was, we hired him before COVID and he was doing through, through COVID. And it just doesn't work. And Will is a wonderful business guy and was an asset, but just didn't work in the position. We finally went to Will and I was like, Hey bro, this is not working. He's like, I agree. It's not, but we're still friends to this day. Yeah. And so you find people like that. And we had a, we had a chef, you know, he was, he was pretty good at what he did, but he showed up late. He was kind of lazy. And I finally just said, Hey man, this is not working. I said, I don't, he said, why is it not working? I was like, well, and I listed the things like, oh, okay. Hmm. And he was fine. We had a, we had a guy take over. I needed someone to help me with youth when we, when we were in the bar. Right. Yeah. So I only had like three youth. There wasn't, yeah. there wasn't that many teenagers, yeah. but I needed somebody to do a devotional with them. Just help them out. Yep. And um, so I, I got this guy, this young guy. He's amazing. Absolutely amazing. One of my favorite people in the world. I got him to come in and do it. But he is a big ministry person. Mm. And at that point in our history, I needed a small ministry. I needed somebody that was okay with sitting at a table with two kids, three kids on a good night. And hey, let's, let's walk through the scriptures together. And, and his, his whole mentality is, we're going to get a band. We're gonna There's going to be smoke. Yeah, we're going to blow it all out. <laughs> and, and it was awesome, but it was a bunch of people that didn't go to our church, which yeah. is, again, it's fine. But for where we were, I needed my kids to be ministered to. And so I finally had to sit down with him. I said, look, you're, you're here. I need, I need this. And, um, and so we decided to part ways. And the guy does, does phenomenal. Like, he does youth conferences now, yeah. runs them himself. Thousands of people. Ton, it's amazing yeah. what he does, but for what we needed at that time. And so I ended up finding a guy that is, um, was basically, for lack of a term, just kind of a nobody. Like he, he's nobody popular, not a big preacher, not a, and, and he had tried to be a youth pastor at one point and it didn't really work out with him in the church. And, and I just, I got him over there and, and he started coming to help us. And all they did was show up at my kids' ball games. Yeah. And they would do a devotional every other Wednesday night. And hang and, out with them. And hang out with them. And order pizza. And now the youth group is, is blowing and right. going. My, you my know. kid's there. I know. Yeah, your kid goes. <laughs> so, um, but, but it's amazing how if you get the right person at the right time, right. and even if you've got someone super talented, but they're just not a good fit for what you're doing. Awesome. You know what I mean? And so you got to make those changes sometimes. Um, as we wrap up, tell everybody about your church, where it is, all the good things. If someone's in the town, someone just wants someone. Here's the thing. A lot of people will just listen and like you and want to talk or want to connect. Yeah. So tell, tell, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, you can get in touch with me, Gabriel at gatewayfamily.cc. That's okay. my email address. There you go. Easy way to do it. Um, CC is a really weird way to end an email address. I don't just know like why. .co. Dot, do you have dot .co? Dot .co. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Milfit, yeah. Milf, Thomas at milfit.co, in parentheses, not .com. Every time someone asks me. Oh, man. Every time. People email me. I mean, they'll call me all the time and say, hey, I tried to email you, but yep. it doesn't work. I said, did you do, do .com? They're like, yeah. I said, it's CC. Dot .cc. Yeah. yeah. Um, our church is in Trustful. We're right behind the Mexican yep. restaurant. Um, La Cazuela. Nope. I don't know what it's called now. Um, right behind the Mexican restaurant, we are right there on Mary Munger Road. Yep. So in between Stockton and, and Carrington. And uh, it's called Gateway Family Church. Yep. Awesome. Hey, this was so much fun. I really appreciate it. 
Any questions anybody has, please email him. Email email me, thomas at thomascox.co. Thanks so much.